Hello, I'm Angela, and you are listening to The Farmer. This is episode 11, Electric Fencing. Hello, everybody. I am uh, losing my mind. So we are trying to start building on our house and we have had a lot of roadblocks recently. We've had uh, a little bit of a uh, missed a deadline at the bank. It's not the bank's fault. They're, we were waiting on something for the assessor. So things got pushed back with their financing. Um, we, <laughs> the township failed to inform us of all the steps for our building permits because they forgot to give us the checklist. So now our approval got pushed back yet a couple more weeks and we're in the middle of an insurance crisis because self-contracting is a hard thing to get insurance for and without boring you with all of the ridiculous details, uh... We're having some trouble, so we we thought we were going to start this week. Uh, looks like it's going to be at least two weeks yet, so we'll see how that goes, but I don't even want to talk about it because I am so annoyed with it, um, so let's keep going. Um, we've had nothing but rain for, oh, I don't know, two months. <laughs> It's been, it's been raining, 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 raining. Uh, we did have 10 days that weren't awful with just some scattered storms. Um, we had three really nice days in there. Um, but we have just had some totally, totally cruddy days. It is extremely wet and as much as I am complaining about, you know, having getting the garden in late and getting our cover crop in late, honestly, I should probably just shut my mouth because um, there are a lot of people whose lives depend on this and, and mine doesn't at this point. Um, my, uh, the area where I live, I mean, there are our farmers who have only had maybe two days of planting. Um, I think there are some that haven't gotten anything in yet. I mean, it is mid, what is it, June 16th or something like that. Um, it is late. It is way too late. I mean, there are some things that it's just too late for. So, I mean, there are just a lot of people hurting this year, and um, I feel bad for them. I really do. So as much as I'm complaining, um, it it doesn't affect my livelihood, um, and and we just really need to be mindful of the people that it does affect and and it affects you um you know these are the people that grow our food and <laughs> raise our animals and it there is a trickle down effect so i mean prepare for prices to be high people are running out of hay in my area because last year was such a horrible season for hay um, people are green chopping hay because they there was not enough time to dry it and get it off, but they're running out of feed. I mean, it is 
it's brutal. Um, I don't think people realize how bad it is. And this has been pretty countrywide. This is not unique to my area. Um, it's, it's not good. I mean, the last year has been a lot of flooding every, everywhere and it's just been an extra moist year. So, um, buckle up cause it's going to be a rough year for everybody. Um, the consumer, the farmer, uh, you know, cash croppers, uh, livestock raisers, dairy producers, everything. And it, it has been rough, but I think, uh, this year's going to be even worse. So, um, sick of the rain. It needs to stop. Hopefully we can dry up a little bit and, uh, it'll be a decent year. We can salvage some, some things. So today we're going to talk about temporary electric fencing. So when we move to our new place, the plan is to have five or six large paddocks fenced in with cattle panel and then use temporary electric fencing to move the animals every day to a place that we want them. Now, the reason that we want to move them with the temporary fencing is that we want to do what's called intensive rotational grazing. Um, sometimes it's called mob grazing. So instead of giving them one large pasture area, you give them a very small space. And this does multiple things. So it prevents overgrazing because you can control how much they're going to eat at one time based on how many animals you have in that area and how tall the grass is. Um, and then once they're done grazing off that area, you move them so they can't come back to it and eat the stuff they really like, but eat it too low. And the reason you don't want things eaten too low uh, for a variety of reasons, um, because parasites are lower to the ground. So you typically just want them to eat the tops, things above six inches off the ground or even eight eight or 10 um, would be even better. Um, the tops of the plants have more energy, so you really want them eating the tops because they're going to get the most nutritional benefit out of it. Um, and the, the shorter they graze it down, the longer it takes it to recover. So you kind of have to have grass to grow grass. The, the, if they eat it too short, there's not much left of that plant to photosynthesize and grow. So it takes a while for it to work back up to it and it grows at a slower rate if it is grazed off too short. So moving them every day prevents overgrazing. Um, it forces them to eat less desirable or palatable plants, things that they wouldn't necessarily like. Um, they will eat if that's all they have. So it they will more evenly graze an area and eat everything if they are in a smaller area at a time. Um, it also ensures that your manure is deposited evenly throughout their pasture, um, not that they have areas that they like better with different grasses or different weeds or whatever. Um, this ensures that you get a nice even layer and that your entire pasture is being fertilized 
Um, and then I, I also mentioned for parasite control, um, moving them every day ensures that they are going to be eating just the tops of the plants and that you can give that area enough resting time between grazings so that those parasites are dying and they aren't reinfecting themselves as they eat. So uh, animals on pasture have parasite problems as opposed to animals in a dry lot that don't have access to pasture. So if you're pasturing your animals, you want to make sure you're being responsible about grazing them so that they don't get parasites or a parasite overload anyway. So I spent a ridiculous amount of time researching what supplies I would need for the temporary fencing. And the one thing that I really wanted to avoid from the very beginning is the electric poly netting. Um, it just looks like a total mess to me and like I wouldn't have enough arms to carry it all. Um, my paddocks are going to be between 300 and 350 feet wide and I would have to have quite a few chunks of this electric netting and it I, I don't think I'd be able to carry it all every day, which means I'd have to get like an ATV or a UTV or something out there to help me carry it all. And it just looked like a mess. And not only that, but that lays on the ground. So I think I'd have to like mow every day. Like, I don't know how that would work in long grass because you would get all this impedance and which would make your your energizer less effective. And so I just really wanted to stay away from that. Another reason being growing up, we had like the woven wire fence um, for my mom's sheep. And I know she had lambs that got their heads stuck in there and died. And I'm just not interested in losing kids like that. And I know it's a rare occurrence, but, you know, anything I can do to prevent losing kids, I, that's, I'm going to do it, you know. Um, I, I really, really want to use just a couple strands of the smooth poly wire. So what I decided to do is experiment this year here where I'm at home in a small area and I already have small you know two small pastures and I don't have a lot of goats so I needed to learn how to train them to electric and how to do it the right way and then see how it worked to move them and rotate them and watch how long it takes my grass to recover. So this is really just an experimental year for me and so far it's going really, really well. So what I ended up getting was um, smooth poly wire and then I got the temporary fence posts a small energizer, um, ground rod with the T-handle, and then a battery. And that's all it took to turn this into a temporary fencing situation. So let me just go through what I chose and I'll explain why. I spent so much time researching this that it actually seemed kind of ridiculous after a while, like <laughs> the amount of time that I spent on this. But 
hopefully some of my recommendations can save you a little time. Now, I'm not saying this is the only way and that it's the right way, but this is what I chose to do. So the energizer I chose is a Staphix. Now, as far as I can tell, Staphix and Speedrite are really made by the same manufacturer, sold under different brand names. Um, it's uh, Staphix is the green one, Speedrite is the red one. Um, Gallagher is also another well-known um, energizer that has very good reviews. And actually, we had chosen a Gallagher first. Um, that was the one my husband had cho chosen. Um, I struggle to understand electricity, so I kind of had narrowed it down to a couple brands just based on like product reviews, and then some of the grazing gurus um, recommended certain brands, and so I had narrowed it down, and then I had asked him to just like look them over and decide what he thought was best because. Again, I just don't understand electricity the way I wish I did. Um, and so we had decided to go with the Gallagher. And then as I started putting stuff in my shopping carts on different websites, it just was going to come out to be quite a bit more expensive ordering from multiple places. Like once you add shipping costs on and um, the Staphix one was very comparable to the Gallagher that he had picked out. So we ended up going with the Staphix Energizer and we just got the 1X. Now, once we're on the new place, I may need to get a larger fencer, but actually this, this is their smallest, sorry, I'm gonna go back and forth. I grew up calling it a fencer. Um, so fencer, Energizer, it's the same thing. Um, the the Staphix one that we got, we just got the 1X. It's the smallest one they have, and it runs like 14 miles of, of fence. So I, we will never exceed that. So we should be okay with just that one, that one but I will probably have to purchase additional ones um, just to make sure because I'm going to have have to separate, you know, like my bucks in a different paddock from my does most of the year. So um, I will have different, different paddocks with, with fencing in it. Um, one thing that we found helpful when we were looking is Gallagher, I believe it was Gallagher, has a chart on their website. Um, and it, it shows you like the different voltage that you need for different species. And so th that kind of comes in somewhat with like the thickness of their hair coat or their wool. Like you need a higher voltage for sheep than you would with cattle because a cattle is cattle are going to get a zap quicker than sheep you know they have a lot of wool and insulation that that has to go through and um volts is kind of like the pressure of the um <laughs> I sound so stupid explaining electricity I kind of understand it in my head now but the way my husband explains it like volts is kind of like the pressure like the force of 
how the electricity flows. Um, and it needs enough of that force to give them a good zap. So um, if you, depending on what species you have, check out that chart that Gallagher has on their website um, to see like what kind of voltage you need for your species. Then I moved on to researching fence posts and what I decided on was the O'Brien fence posts. Um, so the reason I was not sure whether, so like all the grazing gurus say this is the best kind but I also thought well I mean like I can get them at the Home Depot or somewhere close by and what I what I didn't understand is when I looked up the specs on these fence posts, like the the metal, so they're plastic fence posts and they have all the kind of like hooks on them that your wire can go through. And like one side is for the poly wire and the other side is if you use poly tape. And when I first started looking at them, I thought like the the metal part that comes out of the bottom of this fence post and that's what sticks in the ground it's so short on these O'Brien ones, and it also is a much smaller diameter. I want to say this is like a three-eighths of an inch. No, the bigger ones are three-eighths of an inch. These are even smaller. I can't remember now, but I remember thinking like, man, that is so small. Like, is that going to be sturdy enough? I was not sure, and you know, looking at the ones locally it was kind of like well I could go to Tractor Supply or Home Depot or Menards or whatever and they're all about the same price but then I don't have to pay shipping on them and those those ones that like the farm stores or the home improvement stores um that metal stake was a, a coming out of the bottom was a lot bigger and also a lot longer which in my head I thought much must be better um but then I watched a YouTube video by Greg Judy, um, and he's one of the like grazing gurus that I talk about. If you haven't seen any of his um, talks or YouTube videos, you should check it out. Um, he was explaining that if you plan on using the, the temporary electric fence posts in winter, that you want them shorter and a smaller diameter or you can't get them in the ground. And that makes perfect sense to me. I wasn't thinking as much about the winter grazing. Now, if you aren't doing winter grazing, you could probably get by with the other ones. But... I did order the O'Brien fence posts and I'm very happy with them. And those short, that short metal stake is plenty. I haven't had a problem with them ripping out of the ground. They do go in very easy and they come out very easy. And I think, you know, like sometimes if I really get them in there good, it, you know, I really got to heave them out. And I think, oh, I'm glad I didn't have a longer one because they would be harder to get out. And it this way I can just go pop them out and um, I haven't had a problem with them. So I do, I do really like them. Um, they are nice and flexible. I looked at some of the ones at like the home improvement store around here and they seem a lot more rigid. Like they may snap 
um, like when it gets too cold, like those harder plastics are a little more brittle. So I have been very happy with them. The, the only catch with ordering them is that most places that I found, you can get a box of 50 with free shipping. But if you get less than that and they have to break up a box, then the shipping costs so much that you might as well get 50 of them because it'll cost you the same amount to get 50 as it will to get 25 of them. And at first I thought, well, I only need like 15 of them. And because in my head I was thinking, well, just to go across the paddock and 15 will be more than I would ever need. But what I also didn't think of is when I make lanes to go from pasture to pasture or when I want to do a big area in my yard that's not within the paddock, um, I need a lot more than I thought I would. So I got the box of 50 and I think I only have like eight of them still sitting in the box because I really, really have used way more than I expected. So my my recommendation is whatever you think you're going to use, double it and get that many. And if the box of 50 comes out to be a better price because you're getting the free shipping, just get the box of 50 because you'll use them. And I've we ended up using for using them for other things like out at our land just to stake stuff out. We used them while we were picking rocks to kind of um stake out where we had been and where we were aiming for and it worked really well and we've found different uses for them along the way. So, um the next decision was poly wire or poly tape. So, I initially wanted to use poly tape because it is more visible for the animal. Um, and I still agree that that is true, that the poly tape is more visible. But for two reasons, I chose the poly wire. For one, the brand that I had decided to use, which was the PowerFlex, um, the poly tape was quite a bit more expensive and since this was more like a trial year for me I really didn't want to spend more money than I absolutely had to and also when you get the fence post there are only three height options when you're using the poly tape and when you're using the poly wire there are six seven eight different height options so I can adjust that wire a lot more than I can with the poly tape. And if you've got some longer grass or some hills and anything like that, it is very nice to be able to adjust that height. And so that's why I chose the poly wire and it has worked very well for us. Now, within poly wire, there's lots of different options. Actually, um, I should correct that. I got the poly wire. Um, there's two choices within that category. There's poly braid, which is like a sturdier, thicker um, poly wire. And then there's poly twine, which is much thinner. And you can choose uh, which type of conductors you have inside them too. So there's stainless steel and copper. Um, the copper is more conductive than the stainless steel. 
Um, but the ones that are all stainless steel are typically a little cheaper, but the copper is also more corrosive from my understanding. Um, so I ended up getting the Powerflex Poly Braid that has three strands of copper and six strands of stainless steel. So it has the durability of the stainless steel and it also has the conductivity of the copper. Um, and I ordered that directly from Powerflex. Uh, next, I chose a ground rod. So I'm in a really moist area um, in Wisconsin here. I mean, we really are only dry in like August. So I, at this point, only need one ground rod. And if I shove it in a foot, it's usually plenty. I got the T-handle ground rod. I got a galvanized T-handle ground rod. And I was going to order that online. And then uh, one of our local farm stores had them for $10. So I just got it there. Um, so yeah, I don't have to shove it in the ground very far. We have been so moist that I don't really have to worry about that. Now, as we get into August and it gets really dry, I may have to get an additional ground rod. And for sure, I will have to make sure I can get this one farther into the ground. But I really, really like the T-handle because it would be such a pain in the rear end to get that thing in and out if I had to just have a, just a solid rod. Well, getting it in would probably be easy with like a dead blow hammer, but getting it out would probably be much more difficult. So I would definitely recommend the T-handle one. Um, and the last thing would, oh no, two more things. So I've got, I also had to choose a reel. Now, I went back and forth. There's two different kinds of reels. There's a one-to-one, -one, which means like for every turn you make while you're winding it up, it the reel turns once. And there's also a three-to-one. So for every turn, that's called a geared reel. For every one turn you make, the spool turns three times so it goes a lot quicker and I thought gosh what a pain to you know have to like wind and wind and wind but um I I ended up finding on Ken Cove they had these mini reels well I thought they were pretty small but then when I got them they were actually a pretty decent size. They were like $12. Now they're not ge geared reels but a good geared reel is at least $80. So for 12 bucks, and I got four of them, so I ordered one like big spool of poly wire, and I was able to split that four ways onto four reels for like 50 bucks. So that was a really good deal. Are they the best reels? Absolutely not. And will I probably get better reels when I'm you know, out there reeling, you know, 300 and some feet onto it. Absolutely. But for now, it fits my needs. And for $12, it was a steal. So, and these are, that's a one-to-one -one reel. And yes, in the future, I would definitely get a three-to-one geared reel. But like I said, for now, for my kind of 
test batch and for doing small areas. Uh, this did the tr did the trick. So that's the mini reel from Ken Cove, and that's K E N C O V E Ken Cove. Um, and then I also had to choose: did I want a battery powered energizer, or did I want a solar power? So the the energizer that I got. And also the one that we had picked out from Gallagher, which I don't have the model number of um, right offhand, but they can they can do either they can do all three. They can run off of an outlet. Um, they can also also run off of solar, or you can hook them up to a battery. So like the solar ones also hook up to battery to a battery and then when the sun is out they like self-charge whereas like mine I just hook it up to the battery and then I need to put that battery on a charger to charge it whereas the solar ones you can buy the same energizer and then you just add that solar panel to that so you aren't swapping that battery out all the time but quite honestly for the price of the solar panel um we could get some used batteries uh, where my husband works. They're required to change those batteries in the exit signs or not the exit signs, the um, the emergency lights like every, I don't know, two years or something like that. Well, the batteries are still OK, but they are required to change them by law and swap them out. And then those batteries need to get pitched. So um, he was able to get some used batteries for me. So if anybody, you know, knows somebody that works at some type of place where, you know, they have those emergency lights, which really any kind of commercial building should have them. Um, see if you can see if you can get those batteries. Um, it's a 12 volt deep cycle battery. I have no idea what that means. Um, I think the one he got me has like two six volt six volt batteries like chained together or something. I don't again, I don't know nothing about electricity. He brought it home and said this will work. I said great. So I would like a second one so that I can leave it on at night and then leave the gate open to the paddock because otherwise I have to bring it in to charge it. But actually this has worked quite well. It's if I run it, you know, day and night it lasts like three or four days and it's a very small battery now he said there are like different battery sizes where will store different amounts so even if you have a 12 volt battery some have way different amounts of storage which i think is the amps Mm, but I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> so um, I I would like a second battery because, I, you know, every few days I bring it in, throw it on the charger. Um, but it really doesn't take that long to charge. And for the cost of the solar panel, I thought for me, it is not worth it. Um, again, my goats are right out my backyard. Um, if you are a little further away or you know, you don't want to be swapping those batteries all the time, then maybe solar is the answer for you. But 
Part of the reason we chose the energizer we did is because we can run it all three ways. We can run it on solar, we can run it just on a battery, we can run it um, off of AC. So um, it it was definitely the right choice for us. Now, when we first started um, training the goats to electrics, we kept them in our um, in our paddock that was fenced with cattle panel. So even if they got out of the electric fence, they were still within the pasture, and we didn't have to worry about them escaping onto the road or anything like that. So I started with three strands of wire and put one, the first one was probably, I would say, six to eight inches off the ground. And then the next one above that was probably five or six inches higher. And then the one above that was probably about eight inches higher. So it came up um, on my adult does right about to their mid-shoulder height. And it was pretty interesting at first. (laughs) Um, I had one kid that, man, he had to get, I bet he got zapped six times in the first hour. He just did not get it. And he just flew in the air every time he got it. And the rest of them all were kind of one and done. Like, oh, we shouldn't touch that. Now, The one mistake that I did make with them is I started with a smaller area and what ended up happening is, well, and I thought it was a decent size, but then when you think about it, when they start getting a shock, they don't want to come within, you know, 10 feet of that fence. So I had electric wire on three sides of of them and then just cattle panel on one side with the opening. And they were, you know, when you kind of figure that 10 feet around that they didn't want to touch, that really just left them with a small area in the middle and they wouldn't go near the fence. So I would start with a much, much larger area than what you actually want to train them to eventually, um, just to give them some room to roam around, figure it out, and not be scared. And the first hour (laughs) was so brutal. I thought, oh my gosh, this is never going to work. Because we only left them out for, oh, yeah, 45 minutes to an hour and then locked him up and we're like, okay, we'll try this tomorrow. And then the next day, um, it really only took like 15 minutes and then they were doing, I gave them a bigger area the next day and it really only took like 15 minutes and they stopped, uh, kind of going near it. And then I left him out for like two hours alone and I heard a few of them from in the house you know, Beller a little because they got zapped. But then they ended up, you know, I locked them up. And the next day, they they ended up being totally fine with it. They really didn't mind it at all. And after, so we did four days within our cattle panel pasture, And then I thought, okay, let's try them outside. So I made a lane and I opened up one of the cattle panels and 
um, gave them a really large area. And me and my son stood out there probably about a half hour at least just to make sure. And they didn't go near it. So they were doing really well. And I left them out all day. I was home the whole day. They were right outside my back door, my house, um, just to make sure. And we didn't have anybody get out that day. And as the days went on, they got closer and closer to that fence. And now they'll go right up underneath it with their nose and they won't touch it. So, I mean, We've also been able to go from three strands down to two strands. And so now that first strand is about a foot off the ground and the next strand is maybe about six to eight inches above that. And that has been fine and they all obey it. Um, And we haven't had any problems and it's working out really, really well. So now we've rotated them through the big pasture in the back, the small pasture on the side. Plus, I've rotated them through our entire property and they've eaten all the grass. And so, of course, they leave some longer pieces and some bigger sprouts and we went through and mowed it real high. Um, Now, ideally, you'd have at least 30 days for a resting period, but I just don't have a property big enough for that. Um, So it looks like I'm going to get probably about a 20-day rotation out, which for parasites is not ideal. But as long as I'm not letting them graze it too short, it shouldn't be much of a problem. So... I need to keep that grass above six, well above six inches so that when they graze it down, they aren't going, you know, below six inches where most of the parasites are. And I I think it'll be all right. So they went from eating um, about a, mo- almost a bale of hay a day to uh, one bale a week after having them on grass. So now you have to make that transition slow. You can't just slam them out there. Um, And so I had been working my way up to that by the time I started the electric fence so that they were ready to be out all the time. Um, But they're doing really, really well. And man, that, you know, like 10, 15, 20 minutes, depending on what I'm doing. Now, if I'm doing a big area in the yard, it takes me even 30, 35 minutes sometimes to set that all up. If I have to make a lane for them to to move into it, um, and I'm, I'm running a lot of different wires and spools out. Um, but when you figure I'm not paying anything, now, and I don't have an ideal setup, Um, Once we are at the new place and this is laid out kind of in a wagon wheel style, so it'll be like pie slices to move them across Um, and I'm doing straight lines and I'm not going around anything, that setup will take me a lot less time than what it does now in our yard because I'm going around trees and fences and odd things and I am outside of the paddock for a lot of where I'm putting them now. Um, So right now my setup probably takes a lot more time than it should but 
I would never do this as a long-term solution. I would definitely change the setup if this is where we were going to stay. But because we're going to be going to kind of those rectangle-shaped paddocks in the new place, my setup time, I mean, for 100 goats should only take me 15 minutes a day. Uh, maybe 20. So I'm I'm thinking this is really going to work out for us and I'm excited about it. Um, my sister and I are going to be t- attending a Jim Garish grazing school in August and we are really excited about that. Uh, my sister raises beef cattle and we both are just super excited about this. We don't often see workshops with him in Wisconsin. Um, We had been considering attending the Greg Judy School. Um, Well, we were going to go this year, and then it didn't work out, and then we were going to go next year, but um, it's quite a bit more expensive, and it's just so much further for us, and it's so hard for us to get away for three or four days. Um, You know, we are the primary caregivers for our animals and it's not that our family wouldn't do it if they had to. It's, It's just hard for us to be away. We are not people that like to be away from home. We are not vacationers. Um, We like our own beds. And it's hard for us to relinquish that control, both of us. So um, this Jim Garish school. It's two days, so we're only one night away from home, and it's only like an hour and a half away from my house. So I'm so excited about it, and I will definitely bring you as much information as I can back from that conference because it is well worth the money. Um, it's very reasonably priced. Um, I booked my first Airbnb. I've joined the 21st century now, and so we'll see how that goes. Um, It looks like it'll be good. It comes complete with cats to snuggle with you at night. So, I mean, what can be better? Uh, A place to sleep with cats, and it's not in a hotel. Um, So we're excited about that. I do want to give you a couple resources of places that you can buy fencing equipment. Um, So AmericanGrazingLands.com, that is Jim Garish's website. So he only sells things that he's tested himself or that he has, um, you know, firsthand knowledge of. And that would be a great place to start. I think you can trust anything he is selling on that website. Um, Ken Cove is another popular uh, place to get fencing, and that's, again, spelled K-E-N-C-O-V-E. Um, Premier One is another place you get, can get fencing supplies. Gallagher sells, um, you know, fence posts, energizers, any kind of fencing supplies you can think of. Powerflex, they also sell um, the... They sell more of like the twines and the braids and the tapes. They do sell fence posts and energizers as well. Um, So those would be great places to start. I ordered mine from a combination of those places just because I was trying to get, you know, the best deal and the best way to work it out for shipping costs and whatnot. So, um, but I've found all of them to be great resources and great places to purchase your items from. 
And last of all, I just want to encourage you, if you did not listen to episode 10, please listen to it. I have a fun announcement that I made, and I'm really hoping that you all will support me in that and keep those emails coming, keep the suggestions coming, the comments. I've gotten really great feedback from you, um, and i I'd love more suggestions, ideas, you name it. So my email is thefarmerpodcast at gmail.com. You can look me up on Facebook at The Farmer Podcast. And also my new YouTube channel. So please see episode 10 for those details.